the ultimate bond in a relationship is I go to my female and I have that and I can convey that and I know I'm safe and you're not going to judge me. You're not going to lose sexual attraction to me. You're going to see he's vulnerable for five minutes. It Now all of a sudden he feels safe. He's, I will tell you for me personally, that fuels and intensifies the need to serve you intensifies the need to provide for you. It intensifies the need to crave the living shit out of you nonstop. If you can let me be that, that nobody else gets, I everything changes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Viper and Flow podcast. I'm excited to have an exciting conversation because we don't know where we're going to go with this conversation with Dominic Izzo. And um, he is our second male guest on the podcast. So that's special in and of itself. He's a retired cop, published author, media host, and entrepreneur from Chicago, US. So uh, excited to have you. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been a while. I was on your podcast several months ago i think it was summer months yeah. like six months ago yeah. it was really fun it was really fun and then life has been busy but now we are here again and i wanted to have you on mine as well I look forward to this this will be a great conversation i'm sure i'm sure and i'm really curious about your journey like i i don't know that much about you other than the fact that the algorithm sort of weirdly brought us together on instagram and that's what yeah that that's it that's the backstory of how we got talking in the first place and i know these things these um things that you're you've been in the law enforcement you've published a book you uh you're hosting you have several podcasts and and all these things that you're doing you're an entrepreneur it's a lot it sounds like a lot so tell me a little bit about where this all started I just, uh, I did a podcast with a gentleman a couple of weeks ago and uh, he, he, I had heard of this before, but I honestly never knew, knew the definition. He goes, you're a Renaissance man. And I went on, on his podcast. I flat out said, I said, you're going to have to define that for me because I don't know. And it turns out it actually fits what it is. I do a lot of things. Um, I never got married and I don't have kids. I'm fast approaching 50 and I fill that time with achievement. And a lot of it is based off of insecurity for uh, not reaching purpose, right? So it's like, if you're given this God-given talent and you've got all this ability, um, what are you going to do with it? And and I could very easily be lazy and, and I'm all, like if I have any downtime at all, that massive insecurity kicks in and I'm like, um, uh, what do you do with your time? It's like, God damn it, I could do something. So, uh, and I also have this need to be the best at everything I do. You can call it ego. You can call it... um it is ego. It's ego. It's if I go into an area of something, I want to dominate it because I want to. I want. I want that skill set. Number one. Number two. I want to be able to give back in something. So, uh, I was a bartender before I became a cop, and even before that, people said you'll never become a bartender because it was so competitive out here in Chicago. And I got uh, asked to work at this 4 a.m. bar, which was a coveted position that everybody wanted. And so when I walked, when I was in there the first night, people were like, oh my God, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm working. You know, what, what? You said I was never going to be a bartender. Um, and that turned into, well, you got to be, you should be a cop. And I'm 20, 25 at the time. And I went, uh, all right, I'll, I'll test and be a cop. So I tested and first test, I get hired and 
I, I go out there and I do that for God knows how long. And uh, everything since then ran for office out here in Chicago for Cook County Sheriff. Uh, abhorrent uh, uh, ex- experience. Don't ever run for office if you if you think, if you want to find out who your friends are, <laughs> run for office. But I mean, everything since then, write a book. Uh, I'm in network marketing, which is like the worst reputable uh, industry in the world. Oh, it's a pyramid scam. So I got in it because I'm like, well, now I want to show that it's the best. So every single thing that I, I try to do, um, I, you know, I don't try to do it. I do it and I want to just crush everything I do. And I know that's based off of, um, of in, in a fear of failing. So it's in it. it it's a double-edged sword. It's great, but it's also very stressful. Mm. Wow. There is a lot that we could go into a lot. So let's just, you know, rewind a little bit, go back to the days when you started in law enforcement. And when you're thinking back to those years when you were working working as a cop, what were the best things or best aspects of that job? Oh, it was service, 100% service. And and you know what? That that question has to be answered at the two times that I evaluated because I took some years off where I stepped away from the industry because I went, oh my God, I don't this is ridiculous. It's just a business. Um, I saw the corruption in law enforcement a lot. Uh, and then we're not talking like we are talking. Sometimes we're talking uh the the megalomaniacal police chiefs who put innocent women in prison and record you with your body and cameras when you're in the bathroom and 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 the inner on you know, uh, the inner department workings against each other and then sometimes it's you know you see favoritism and you see the real real small things like wait are you sleeping with her is that why she's getting the good squad so there's a there's a lot of stuff in that the first time around um to be honest I really got in because I wanted a secure job you know mm-hmm. I was I had just turned 26 um and I'm like, I got to do something because bartending is great. But what happens when I don't want to work till five in the morning anymore? And and I need a real taxable income and all this kind of stuff. And then when I got into it, it was service. It was great. I was like, I'm really good at this. I'm good at solving people's problems and helping people. And it, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. When you are credited, either good or bad, you know, because the public doesn't like cops a lot for helping people out, solving their problems. It feels really damn good. It really feels good. Mm-hmm. Um. The second time around, when I went back in, I discovered that what I liked the best about law enforcement is it required me to be exactly who I was, meaning here I am, I'm in my 40s, and I am I worked in a very poor neighborhood, which was in between Chicago and Milwaukee. So a lot of the real bad element kind of got chased out of those areas, and they wound up by us, and we had a gang problems, and we had, it, it, I used to say all the time, if you are if you were uh, black and you came from Chicago or Milwaukee, you were leaving the gang areas, and if you were white, you had no teeth because you were a hillbilly there for years, and it's like, well, that sounds real shitty. That's life. That's how life is. And it was a real impoverished neighborhood. So the first thing I had to realize is I make so much more money than these people ever will make. I need to be thankful for that. And I started to see it as the lens of now I really have the responsibility of stop rolling your eyes when these people would call and Hey, I, you know, my so-and-so stole my neighbor's six pack that was sitting on my driveway. All right. Well, that's important to them. So what I started to see, too, is no matter what the call was, stabbing, shooting, uh, 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 whatever it was, pregnant woman beat up or neighbors barking dog won't shut up. You have to be the absolute best of what you do all the time. And it really hit me one day. 
we had a um a murder investigation and it was this real big scandal that was up in the area. It was made national news because it, it was the GI Joe, uh, Charles Glenowitz, uh, uh, murder suicide. And we were making national news and it was international news. Cause we had cops from, uh, London come over here for his funeral. And, um, I, I was walking out of the gas station getting coffee and this person stopped me for the first time in my career. So I had gotten hired in 2001 and it, the first time it's ever happened was 2015, 14 years goes by, sir, officer, thank you for your service. And I was like, wow, I'd never heard that before. Yeah. So it, it hit me. I'm like, you, 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 you do, you serve these people. And it was such a weird concept for me because it came full circle from you. You swore your oath, honor these people, honor the constitution, honor the position that you're that's all these problems. And that slight recognition reminded me, bring your a game every day. You put that uniform on because you do work for me. And you do uh, uh, serve us and we are counting on you. And it, it, that just changed me. It changed me completely uh, in that moment. Wow. So the beginning was one aspect and at the end was another. Wow. But isn't that what you're also now bringing into everything that you're doing that you mentioned um, in the beginning, how you really want to dominate in everything that you are involved in, with? And it's it's I see that there there is value in that. And you're bringing that service mindset into whatever you're doing. I'm really curious to go into because you very openly said that it's it's like ego or driven ego driven or insecurities, and that is something that you very openly do talk about. And I don't think a lot of men do that. So, are you open to going a little deeper into? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Absolutely. You right. ask, I answer. So I remember we talked about people pleasing uh, some six months ago on your podcast. And I do remember you mentioning also that it's something that has been a very prevalent experience in your life, at least when you, when you were young or younger. How do you think, as you've grown up, um, has anything changed in terms Massive. of in terms of like um, you stepping into this? role of being in service and really owning that. Yeah. Yeah. Massively. It's a void that had to be filled. And I notice it all the time. Um, who was I just, so in network marketing, being an entrepreneur, uh, when you work from home, when you're, you're, you're working for yourself, you don't have directives, right? So like I've, I've been in retail, I've been in the nightclub industry and uh, law enforcement, and they were all easy objectives, right? Towards the end of my career, they implemented a, um, a, a performance evaluation, which was a quota system, right? X amount of night, you needed to have this many points, which means, all right, I got to do this many stops, this and that. Right. You know that the sergeant's going to listen to you on the radio, whether or not you're active. So you can't just sit there and for five, six hours, just hide, right? So you have to do stuff. Um, so when it came down to uh, the job, somebody's telling you what to do all the time. Okay, that's fine. Entrepreneur, it's like, all right, I could just well, let's see what else is on. Let's go surf the internet. Let's go watch TV. Let's go eat again. You you're responsible for constructing your day, so it was very um, uh, 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 easy, or it was very hard for me. Excuse me, in the beginning, beginning entrepreneur to guys. I like I like being told what to do to a degree because there's structure. I love structure. So the other day. Um, I really wasn't doing much for my business and I'm doing 10 other things for other other businesses I have. And uh, for the specific network marketing business, I'm in one of my 
uh, downlines, people that I, I'm I sponsored, I'm in, I'm responsible for, is like I have this event coming up, and I'm worried that nobody's going to show. Boom! Knight and shining, shining armor shows up. I'm like, not, no, not a problem. Put down my stuff, and for an hour straight, I invite 50 people to her event. You know, get 15 confirmations. Now it's like, oh, you saved the day because now all of a sudden my Zoom presentation is going to be okay. So when it comes down to the service of I will do for others, I can do this all day long. That's what I found was the the, the defining uh, resonator, if you will, or the mm-hmm. primary driver for everything I always did was the approval of others. So when mm-hmm. I got to be older and I'm like, man, is this destructive? I mean, I still like doing for others, but now it's on my terms and now my boundaries are so solid. Um, So now it's like, what do you do? And it's not I like motivation. I went from being I love motivation, motivation, motivation to no discipline. Motivation is horrible. It's it's meaningless. And that motivation was always in the eyes of people I was dating women that I was dating, right? These women who were like, I got to put them up on pedestals. And it was then destructive when the relationship went south. And because I went, everything I'm doing, I'm doing for you. So now you're gone and there's no meaning. So now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 48 in a couple of weeks, but starting in my early forties, I had noticed that, wow, um, there's no flavor, meaning that you're not getting the good boy pat on the head reward of, uh, oh, you did this for me. Great. Yeah, I did. What's my reward? Are you going to look at me differently? Are you going to want me more? So now it's like all self-sustaining and everything I do, I'm going, are you, are you a narcissist? Are you selfish? I don't get pleasure in achievement now. So I, so it's so weird to where I still do like people pleasing for where it's worth, but the way that it was defined for me for so long, which was that was my value and my worth was if I did something for somebody that I was romantically involved with. And she acknowledged how awesome it was. That sustained me for now the next thing and the next thing. Now it's like, all right, you got to do it for yourself. How? And it took me a long time to figure out how it would be rewarding for just me. So that was a big uh, uh, character arc, if you will, that I had to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something most of us have to go through in one way or another. At least for me, it definitely has been very much similar. <laughs> I'm really curious to hear what changed because you say that now your boundaries are solid. So what if if there were some instigators, some things, some realizations along the way that you could point back to when you started to see yourself differently, what would those be? Money, financials, 100% financial. What I mean by that is I've always had a terrified relationship with money, call it being raised Catholic and you're meant to be poor. And if Jesus wants you living in a cardboard box underneath the viaduct on I-90, that's where you belong. Okay. Catholic brainwashing and all of my money, all of it. I mean, I'm talking when I was in the bar industry, you're talking about 22 year old kid is making $1,500 a week in 1997, you know, for working four hours a day. It's like, that was just piss and water money. Ah, I would spend it on everyone. Uh, mostly the, again, goes back to relationships, personal friends and relationships. And um, I always thought that it was not my money and it was to be spent on me. So I never really was frivolous with me. I'm not a big 
uh, items guy. Like, right. I don't, I don't have a big dream board and I don't have, I do every now and then I daydream about like, you know, the 102 foot Benetti yachts. I want in the Florida keys, all this kind of stuff, but I'm not a, a goal money goal oriented person. What I realized is, is that, um, that was kind of a problem because I didn't appreciate money as energy. So the, the boundaries came from when I was dating and realizing all right, here's another weekend where I'm spending $700 in the next two days on dinners and cabs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not even getting laid out of it in the long run because she's drunk and passed out and it's going to start an argument. And then I'm going to repeat this next week. And then there's going to be this. It's like, we're you're draining from me now. Now you're draining from me. And it started there. So I'm like, all right, what are you doing with your energy? And it, it stopped. It was like an abrupt stopping, right? It's make money, make money, make money so you could spend on people. Now people are draining from you. Stop. And that stop, that will for making money stopped. It was so weird. It was like, what's the point? Maybe you can. I mean, I went, it didn't go into a depression. I mean, I like to tell people I'm, I'm Pisces and I'm prone to kind of like depression, but it's like some Pisces are fish. I'm a shark. Um, so it's like, all right, um, you're not depressed. What are you? I think it was like exhaustion from decades of serving others. And then now I started to build a relationship with money where I'm like, well, this is energy. You can help the right people. You could do this. What does that mean? How do you set your boundaries? And it, it did. It went through running, going for office, um, going, I had a lot of stronger male role. Every, every, no, that's not a lot of. Every single strong male role model I have ever looked up to has been threatened by me, and I hate it. I hate it. Police chiefs, martial arts instructors, business mentors, and I've all had the same conversations with them. Don't take how loud I am and how boisterous I am as a threat. I want to I want to follow you. I don't want to lead. And every single one of them gets threatened. And when I saw that the strong men in my life were threatened by who I am, and then the women in my life were only after kind of one thing because I was allowing it. It all boiled down into what your boundaries are collapsing on your ability to take care of yourself, to take care of others, because a man is supposed to be protector and provider, right? And how can I protect if I don't have energy coming in, money for food, for the gym, for safety, and where you're going to sleep for that night? And I was never homeless or anything or poor, but that was, I started to go that extreme in my head. And I'm like, well, and how do you provide? If you're pissing all your money all the way, all the time of people who don't deserve it. So I really started to look at it. Um, and that was where it was. It was money. That was that foundational change of uh, draw these boundaries because people are draining you on the most basic resource that you need and stop, stop being afraid of money. Stop thinking money's evil. So that was, it was money and it was boundaries right there. That was, that's what said it. I went, all right, I got to be a protector and a provider. And my boundaries are causing myself to allow others to take from me. And it's not, it's not, it's not benefiting me. Right. Exactly. And what you said was really insightful that these women were after only one thing because you allowed it. Right. Yeah, and, and the same lesson goes for so many women of my listeners who are experiencing something similar. They're allowing certain experiences without even realizing it. And it has been a huge paradigm shift for me as well to realize that. Whatever is coming into my experiential sphere, I am allowing in. And money is also a big thing for women, especially, I would say. But I think it's really, really insightful to hear from a man that it, you also have these weird thoughts and, and indoctrinations around money that are, in fact, quite toxic 
or just, you know, really off what you mentioned. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I also grew up um, because the problem was it feels incredible. And a lot of women don't understand this. I like putting women on a pedestal. If I'm dating you, my blinders are on. I want it. It it blows me away how you have to probably imagine, you know, uh, my father and I are addicted to the, the 1883 and 1923 and Yellowstone. And we're like, it's a different time back then where your family is all there. And I'm like, all right, this is great. And, and I don't today you, you need to be like, you need to have your life. I need to have my life when we come to the table. Okay, great. I grew up in the late seventies and early eighties where all we had pumped down our throat was movies. And literally as an introverted kid, all I did was watch movies. So I knew that the way to a woman's heart was to be John Cusack outside of her home with the boom box playing in your eyes by Peter Gabriel. And she's going to come outside and go, Oh my God, I love you. I want to be with you. That's what the standard was. And that emotion struck up so huge for me. I loved it. I craved it. I wanted it. I obsessed over that feeling of being wanted that much by somebody consistently. There's a great saying I heard somebody say that uh, I don't know comparison if it's true because I, I used to be huge into movies, but in, in American movies, the movie ends when the couple gets married in yeah. European movies, the movies begin when the couples get married. And I'm like, so wait, there's a reality to maybe she wakes up in the morning, looks at you and goes, Ugh, and you're like, you weren't looking at me like that two months ago. What the hell's going on? So that's where the insecurity started to uh, have to do more for women. And how do we do that? We have to work more to provide more for money, this and that. So, but the bottom line is I, it's, it sucks because as a guy, all, you know, you get so many women, all guys only want this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm very aware that I'm into my female energy and I'm very aware of it. But if I'm dating somebody, they're my, I, I like the fact that I put them on a pedestal. You're my world. I want to be with you as much as possible because you're my best friend. Can't get enough of you. Can't keep my friend hands off of you. All this kind of crap. Only to have it turn out to be, you know, you fast forward two, three, four years now, people are like, Ugh. I so I guess for me personally, I was obsessed with the concept of keeping that everyone calls the honeymoon period. Why does it have to end? I was obsessed with keeping it alive. It doesn't seem possible to be alive the way I was doing, kept alive the way I was doing it, which put somebody on a pedestal, which made them lose attraction to me because I was putting them first, which was all about money. So it's, it's, it's a very big synergistic aspect that I did not, as a young man, know the right way. So that goes also back into the boundary aspects of yeah. saying, you really need to look at yourself because this hopeless romance, uh, 80s movies, things that you're trying to do in your relationships is not working. Why? So that was another aspect of why the, the boundary, just because it felt good. It felt amazing serving and doing for women, just but it doesn't really have the longevity that you need to give back to yourself as a man to be able to continue to, to give and serve. Yeah, exactly. It's addicting. Like you're mm -hmm. you're hooked into the loop of addiction. And mm -hmm. um there was something that I wanted to say. Um, yeah, the point that it it sort of sounds like it was an addiction of codependency. Of being codependent, always depending on the other person to give you the validation, to give you the hormones that feed the good feelings and keep you feeling good about yourself. So it was outsourcing that every time. Mm -hmm. And this is not to say that serving others isn't valuable. Obviously, we're both for serving others. Oh, yeah. It feels there's no other feeling than making somebody smile, laugh, 
uh, do, do whatever. I mean, you and I have had conversations where it's like, I don't care. And it, and that's, it's a conversation for another time, but from viscerally primally, basically, I don't care if somebody's laughing, if they're smiling, if they're being pleased, whatever, if another person is enjoying themselves and I am involved in the facilitating of that, it feels unbelievable. Mm, right. But that is different from the feeling of I, I need the validation so that I can accept myself and feel I, secure in myself. I blurred the boundaries. I blurred the lines because yeah. that, that delivery of, oh, I have to make you happy was validation of self. Oh, look, somebody is happy with me. That means I must be great. Uh, yeah. I didn't understand it. Yeah, exactly. What has been the greatest joy in your life other than serving others? I'm still discovering that. I'm trying to figure that damn thing out. Um, I, I have a great faith relationship and I don't, I, I mean, I, I, I'm learning to, cause I've always been faith-based and my journey took me from Catholicism, all the way going through school to Christianity. And I don't ever like to wind up stepping out of the people's toes uh, and being, Oh, you know, I will say, all right, here's my faith. It says X, Y, and Z. This is my relationship with Christ. And it gives me more joy than anything else. But then it's like, does it really? Because I could feel, and this, it's, it, this is the road to discover because uh, you're called to suffer as Christians in this world, which is amazing. Um, yeah, I love that feeling where I'm in, you know, church service and I'm so, I'm this really piece of dog shit that Jesus still loves. And I'm like, this is an amazing feeling. And then the church service ends and I got to go through my day and be like, you know, hey, why don't you use a turn signal? So I'm learning how to wind up balancing that joy. Um, the minute pleasures at this stage in my life are they're they're gone uh meaning that food sleep sex uh, i don't drink that much i think i have a cocktail a year uh any instant gratification is there's no flavor behind it it's insane um i used to, I, I used to love to eat now i'm like well eating at this stage of the game you really have to be careful because it's going to equal pain because you're going to you're you know you're you're Italian, so you're over carb loading, so that's going to be an insulin crash, so that's going to be pain because you're going to get no work done. Sleeping, well, you sleep too much, well, you wind up missing your day, you lose out on money, that's that. Sex, it's just meaningless because you're not establishing any type of deep connection relationship. Oh, look, you had a 15-second orgasm, you're done. It's like, okay, that doesn't mean anything because I don't even want to spend time with you now. So now it's at this point of, wow, what's the joy? Where's that at? So again, I'm going through another pendulum swift, a shift specifically at this time. I'm in a very, very, very uh, new season of life to where, and I've identified these. Um, this is a season of service for me. Oddly enough, in the network marketing uh, space that I'm in, I don't like serving people. I don't like hearing excuses. I don't. I don't understand why people are are inherently lazy. I don't get it. And it, it that's just me because I was brought up a certain way, and I'm a massive overachiever. And I've always told my team, I don't want to hear your problems. I don't care. Well, I couldn't make my calls today because this and that. Don't care. It's not my my problem is to make you money. You that's what. The, otherwise, if I don't make you money, service then you're going to say, I scammed you and I don't want to be you know, looked at that way. So I have to serve you. How can I serve you? Don't complain to me. Now it's so weird because uh, specifically the 2014 was my year of anger. I was so unbelievably angry. 2023 is my season of service to where my teammates are looking at me now going, what do you mean that 
we want to talk more about our day and this and that stuff. Cause I, and I'm going, listen, I don't, I'm not going to enable your problems. You got problems with your kids. You couldn't make your calls. Couldn't do this. It's fine. I want to find out what it was now so that I can serve you better. So yeah, talk to me about what's going on. I want to serve you more. So it's a really, really, this is just recently. I'm talking like the last three weeks. Um, this huge shift in my insides is going, man, I want to serve people more. Because now that's the, that's the next, that's how you're going to level up is serving people in this different way and now incorporating boundaries. So that's li- literally this last month has been, all right, how do I wind up doing that? And that's where my joy is. My joy is knowing that I can come to you. Uh, I can promote what you're doing. I can help what you're doing. I've got uh, so many talents that, all right, how do I put them to use for other people? How do I get joy from that and serving without losing myself in the boundaries and identified uh, in the uh, aspect of being abused? So I'm and I'm really good at calling people out for trying to uh, waste my time and um, across my boundaries. Mm, such an important thing. I I just wish I could impart that that conviction to all my ladies who are struggling with boundaries. But it's it's a process that we all have to go through on our own and for sure with support as well. But it's a huge thing. I think boundaries is such a huge huge thing. Um, I'm really curious when you say that now you're in this new season of your life and it's all about service, but with boundaries. What is there something specific that you want to branch out into or something, something that you want to do more of, something you want to do less of, something that you want to do differently uh, in terms of what, what you do as a professional? So on uh, it, it's teaching, right? So I look at all the industries I'm in. So I've I've got a big YouTube following for you know, martial arts and tactics. And if I'm serving you by teaching you, great, you're going to learn a skill set that's awesome. How you apply it is going to be X, Y, and Z. If I do law enforcement review content on other channels I have, all right, it's going to stare a nar- narrative and I don't know how that's going to serve people because people are just going to be, you know, they're going to be in the comment section throwing mud on their favorite team, pro cop, anti-cop, doesn't make a difference. Um, Entertainment, you know, uh, my co-host Ashley and I, we have a, a five night a week live show. We're entertaining people, right? We do want to engage them because we want to educate them. We don't like to put our uh, our our spin on things to where it's, you always agree with us, but we want to make you laugh, entertain you, uh, end a story. I honestly think it's really weird to where um, I watch all of these voiceovers uh, when it comes to like uh, Instagram reels and you watch them all the time. Every inspirational Andy Frisella or uh, 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 D- David Goggins or Joe Rogan voiceover goes over a video of somebody in the gym. And it's like, oh, my God, the gym is the ultimate definition of progress. I'm like, no, it's not. Gym is the easiest, easiest thing in the world because 100 pounds will always be 100 pounds. And you could maybe lift it five times today, 10 times next week. And your physique is going to change because your diet's going to change. The only common denominator in that is you. It's always you. That's it. End of story. So if we progress on that a little bit, then you take the next thing is you need resistance as a human being that's going to give you a challenge, right? That's another human being. All right. So what do we do now? Oh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I'm not knocking it because I was a wrestler forever, but that's now the new craze is let's put our background in, in music and, or, or background inspirational speech to Brazilian jiu-jitsu because now, well, now you got another human being who's trying to do the same thing you are. You're trying to choke you out or tap you out in a controlled environment where you both have the same skill set, different levels. Okay, great. 
I went a different route, you know, and, and I have the same thing when, when it comes to Kung Fu, which literally means uh, skill developed through hard work. I've been doing that for mm -hmm. 25 years. Great. But it's still another human being. So it really is. It blew my mind where the reason I stay in this this network marketing anti -M or MLM, anti MLM, which is the, the worst recognized industry in the world is simply because of that. Now you've got dynamic human being that I'm trying to influence, not manipulate, influence to show them value in three areas. I call it cash flow, culture, and commerce, right? It's either a product, how you make your money, or community. So now I'm showing people, all right, I have to influence you, lead you, serve you to be self-sustaining in either being healthier, being financially, oh, I can make money, or serving others. And the resistance you get from people, human human beings who want to improve their health, improve their financial situation, or serve others is the epitome of resistance because that 100 pounds in the gym will always be 100 pounds, right? That jujitsu, yeah, maybe you'll get that choke or that, well, I don't I don't even know what half the, uh, the movements are. Maybe you'll get that after 20 years to get your black belt, but- I can go after Susie and I could try to Susie. I'm going to show you how to make money. I'm going to teach you how to teach others. I'm going to make, I'm going to show you how to make other people's life. I don't want to. Cause they've got their own dynamic free thinking will that is resistance to what they want. And that's going to be resistance. I want. So when it comes down to that, um, it, it is the biggest simultaneous conflict and reward possible, which is why I love this industry because you're literally I can I can force you to do what I want physically, right? It's like uh, I could I could put you in a in a chokehold and you're gonna tap like, oh, uncle, I'll do what you want. But over the phone, over the internet, imposing my will on somebody else to improve their life is the hardest thing in the world because you can literally come up to somebody, give them a briefcase of a million dollars and go, Hey, listen, I want this is a gift on you. What's the catch? I don't want yeah. it. No, no, mm -hmm. take this literally. It'll make your life better. You won't be poor. You'll be able to take care of your kids. I don't want it. Explain to me why you don't want a million dollars of freak. I don't want it. So it blows me away. And, and that's why I love this industry because it has proven the biggest, hardest challenge for me. Circle back to self-improvement for me. Circle back to ego feeding. Circle back to serving others, fulfilling your worth. Here's the conundrum. Are you doing this for them? Are you? Do this is a non- I am juggling plates on top of uh, uh, balls in a circus with people throwing uh, hot rocks at me. Now I stop inside of my head all the time. It's ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> so is accountability and responsibility at the crux of all this that you've talked about? That is the hardest thing for people to step into. Oh, it's the easiest thing. You kidding me? No. Nope. If you step into accountability and responsibility, your life improves 100%. And I have every single, I, I tell you a ton of times where somebody said, uh, you did this. Yes, I did. Uh, oh, okay. How do you want to fix it? You're accepting you. You own. I, I did it. Why now? What? I, every single argument I have ever been in has stopped when somebody has come to me with a bullhead, and they're like, "I'm going to get him, and I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him." You did X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I did. Now what? Are you Are you sorry? No. And that's another thing. I don't apologize for anything. I have a hard time, and this is a new journey for me too. 
Repentance is one of my hardest things because I'm very aware that during the moment, I know exactly what I'm doing it. I'm doing it anyways. I don't feel, I don't feel right. I don't feel sorry, which is a shitty thing to say, but then we know that feelings are very, very misleading. So I'm trying through action to show repentance for things. But at the same time, uh, it's like that same thing. It's like, you you, you did that. I did. I, I know I did. I don't know why I did. I can't stand it. But how do we fix this? Accountability is the single greatest tool to come to, to, to defeating your external adversary. Oh, my God. I've, I've never seen a bigger success, uh, successful tool than accountability. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's always what I wanted to say as well, because it changed my life as well. If there's someone, a young man... They're out there and struggling with whatever, people pleasing or whatever. What what would you say to him? Um, that oh shit, I get I get that a lot. It's real. It's so weird. I'm not a dad. I'm not a father, and I've got these men who are in sliding in my DMs going, "Can I can I ask you a question?" And it's really is weird because for the first several times it happens, I'm like, I get this uneasy feeling of no. I'm not, no, what do you mean that you're a grown man that needs to ask me my answer? You know the answers. And I think that also has to do with the way I was raised. I didn't get close to my father until I was 40 because uh, he was always work. He's the ultimate mm -hmm. provider. Provision, 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 provision. End of story. The man worked until he was blue in the face just to provide. And then uh, my mother was extremely non-affectionate. The, the, I think we're the only Italian household where nobody hugs. Um, so there was no physical affection, no uh, good job, none of that. Uh, if I went to a wrestling match and I lost and I was upset, it was work harder. Okay, I guess I can't revel. I can't kind of bask in this shit for a while. I feel sorry for myself. So I don't, I, I know that going back to the relationship aspects of it, I wanted to purge my emotions, right? Get involved with the relationship. And I know that for me, the biggest thing was I wanted to be in a very deep committed relationship because I wanted that safe place to lose my shit. Problem was, is the way that I don't, I don't know how women are taught, but now it's weakness. It's weakness for men to wind up crying in front of their significant other. And I don't, I've seen so many podcasts where women say, no, it's not sadly. Yes, it is. Every single ever. And I'm 48. Every single relationship I've ever had, Women see the external side of me, the alpha, the moment my guard is down, it's sexual attraction is lost. Respect is lost. Oh my! And I don't know where the, the balance of the upbringing on both our genders are, but it's a big problem when it comes to guys. Uh, I was in a, in a men's group a while ago for a Bible study. And one of the men who was in the group, he's like, yeah, I joined this group because there's just some things you just can't tell your wife. And I got to tell my friends. And I'm like, What? kind of relationship are you in where you can't tell your wife should your that's exactly where cheating stems from because if you're going to take your relationship or your your feelings and you're going to be like I can't tell my wife how I'm feeling about this I can't tell my wife what my kink fetishes are what my insecurities are at work what my problems are I'm going to go to somebody else you know guys don't listen so men are going to take it to other women and that's where cheating starts so I'm like all right how do we solve this problem so these guys are sliding my DMs and I'm going Dude, stop talking to me about this stuff and talk to God. And I'm going to tell you that's flat out. And that's that. that so I, I always send every guy who slides into my DM uh, a video and it's called five truths for troubled hearts by James McDonald. 
uh, Pastor Gene, he's a big pastor out here in the Chicago area. Uh, he's become a personal friend and he's got, and the first time I sat there and saw this, I went, oh my God, this is, I need to stop outwardly focusing my problems going to friends that don't really care because they got their own problems. Women or uh, who are like, oh yeah, just what, what do you got? What kind of money you spend on me? Or other men who are like, yeah, tell me your problems because they want to take advantage of your position to have now you be the submission under their alpha leadership. So it's like, where do you take your problems to? And it does suck. Because now it's like, I got nobody to listen to me, but we're in a day and age where we're all selfish now anyways. So I would tell men, that the first thing you need to do is you have to establish a relationship and a hierarchy. It may not be for you, but for me, when I started putting the hierarchy properly, God first, then me, then whoever else, everything changed before it was female partner, hmm. ah, God, maybe here or there. I don't know. And then me, no, you can't put yourself first ever. I can't give what I don't have. So I still have a problem with grown men coming to me out of respect for leadership. I haven't accepted that role just yet. I'm trying to. It's very difficult uh, because I don't think that uh, that my answers are sufficient enough. So I will tell men, you got to go. You got to you got to sit down and you got to go. Hey, God, do you exist? Are you real? Why don't you talk to me for a second? And so that that's where I would tell men to start, because leading on other men, we're only going to project our in the moment position and issues into you because 10 years ago if you came to me with your female problems i would have said no work harder show her how much you love her show go go the extra mile now i'll go stop where do you rank in this are you well she's just nagging nagging nagging. okay what are you bringing to the table and where's your boundary to leave so it's like i'm two completely different guys and i'm like oh my god did i get more people did i get people the wrong advice then am i giving them the wrong advice now so now the advice is seek that higher power first and then go to uh, go go to war. Mm. I think that's a really solid answer because that's where we need to start anyway. And that goes for women as well, um, for, for sure. I do believe in I mentorship. Guess. Mentorship has been fundamentally great in my life, but it always has to start with a relationship with God first and foremost. I'm really curious about Wing Chun. I've yeah. I'd never heard of that before I saw your videos and, and so what's the story with that? So you've done martial arts of all kinds. So God. where, where does Wing Chun like fall on that spectrum? Oh God, it was the best. I, I left when I wrestled, um, I, I was forced into wrestling because uh, I was a very introverted kid, very small, like five foot three going into high school. <clears throat> and my mom goes, pick a sport. So I'm like 12 years old and I'm like, all right, baseball too short basketball too short football too short i'm like let me look at this wrestling thing because she there's no way in hell she's gonna let me do it no way in hell oh my god i went to my first practice had no idea what i was doing had the best experience in the world i was hooked instantly i fell in love with it um and so when i left my wrestling career i wanted a martial art and i was really big into movies at the time and this was like you know back in the, the oh god the early 80s and i found wing chun by accident in um Oh gosh, well, I was 21. Yes, 21. Found Wing Chun by accident. Started doing it. And Wing Chun is a is a is a is a three to four hundred year old southern Chinese martial art. It's Kung Fu. And the legend is it was created by a woman, which it's legend, it's not true, uh, to where smaller people can overcome larger people with economy, emotion, directness, uh, struck body mechanics, no muscle. It was Bruce Lee's first art is the only art he ever studied formally. Uh, when he left China, was chased out. He came to America and he bastardized Wing Chun. If anybody follows my stuff, they know I don't like Bruce Lee. 
But Wing Chun has taught me more about everything. I mean, I was like, oh my God, Kung Fu applies everywhere. Like we have a, a concept of relaxation. Uh, and I show, I used to show people in women's self-defense seminars where I'm going to blindfold you. So I put blindfolds on women and I have one woman wear the blindfold and everyone stand around so they can watch this, know that it's not bullshit. And I'll put my uh, hand on your forearm. I'll put my, my left hand on your, uh, your right forearm and you're blindfolded. And I will tell, I will say, all right, now feel when I pick my leg up before I kick you in the shin. Like what? What are you talking about? I'm like, tense your arm up. Don't you squeeze, squeeze your bicep, your tricep, your forearm, squeeze your fist as hard as possible. And while they're squeezing, I've got my hand on and I go to lift up my leg and they're like, I don't feel anything. And people are all around could see. Now I'll tell them, relax, shake, dead arm. You have a dead arm. It's really like a dead fish. And so all, everything is turned off. Do the exact same thing. And the second I pick my foot up, they can feel, oh, I feel you raise your leg. They're blindfolded because you could feel my body has to change everywhere like i the muscle fibers just fire off like crazy when i lift up a leg to put balance and it like fires up my spine out my wrist and in my hand and you could feel that change so relaxation gives you more information to come in and uh one of my team members last night was like we're on our, our team call and she goes you know i was uh i was having so much problem inviting people to my zoom during the week this and that i took sunday off which was yesterday and i just took off i didn't work and i said i had a couple cocktails and talking to some people and People started talking to me about my business. I said, yeah, because you were relaxed. You were more open to the energy. And I told her that same analogy. Wing Chun has taught me when I went into domestics, husband and wife fighting in the kitchen. The more tense I am, zoned in on them. Oh, I didn't see the kid over there. I didn't see the 90-pound German. I didn't even hear the 90-pound German shepherd barking over in the corner. I was so tunnel vision and tense on them. So there's a lot of Kung Fu principles that I found in this journey that I loved. I'm like, oh my God, it's really, yeah, it's about, I love to fight. Who doesn't, you know, but it's like, oh, this is applicable to life. So I love uh, Eastern philosophies for a lot of stuff that uh, we do in life. And Wing Chun has been one of the biggest uh, uh, cornerstones of my uh, foundation for over 25 years now. Wow. I literally, cause I don't know anything about that martial art type or martial art in general, I've read a book called Mastery, and it was by some Kung Fu master, and, and it had amazing applicable lessons to life in general. But that was just amazing, that one example of relaxation allowing information to come in. 100%. And that is that is so fundamentally true. And it's so interesting because... I've had several episodes where I talk about that exact same thing, but never from that perspective <laughs> mm -hmm. and more from the perspective of being in the feminine for women, obviously, and to allow more in to relax because women are so tense chronically these days because we're taught to be tense. I was so tense and no wonder I was in pain for years physically. Um, so that's just incredible. What other lessons are there that you can oh, mention? God, hundreds facing is a huge, um, the, the, the craze for grappling and, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It, it's almost like the same thing because you find, you discover so much about yourself when you're uh, doing jiu-jitsu. 
But what, what I love with Wing Chun is there's forms where there's a lot of personal and private work. We call it self-development, self-perfection. Uh, and one of the, the concepts is facing where you face your enemy at all times, even sides. It's like how a boxer will stand bladed, their strong side uh, backwards for that power punch. We will stand face squared up to somebody all the time. And it cuts off every angle of attack for somebody. And we, so it shows you face your problems. Face them. Don't, 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 don't half-ass it. We always go into the attack. We attack the attack. We never back up and retreat. There's no, there's no backing up in Wing Chun. So it just shows you always attack your uh, attack or your, your adversary, uh, uh, personal problems, whatever, have it on. Um, there's a million and one different concepts that I saw. It's like, oh my God, these are all life lesson applicable. This is ridiculous. This is insane. So uh, the, the fundamental foundation of Wing Chun is fast, economical, and direct, so, and you can, and they're all synergistic. Well, I can't be fast if I'm not direct. So the shortest distance between point A to point B is a straight line. Well, if I veer off and if I do a hook punch versus a straight punch, straight punch is faster. So am I really being faster or am I just taking a direct line? Okay, direct. Uh, economical, I'm not going to waste any energy. I'm not going to waste any more. Why would I do 12 moves when one is sufficient? Uh, and so there's so many uh, uh, concepts for this. And we have to be overwhelming. When we do get our problems on the run, we 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 are relentless until they're uh they're done. So it yeah, kung fu is just it's 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 life. It's insane. It's just it's fantastic. Wow, so so cool. I have to check into that more because I'm just intrigued. What I'm just jumping off because we talked about women and the way women live in today's world, and I'm sure that you've had your observations around this as well and we've talked about it together um when we did your podcast too but i i know that my listeners always want to hear a male perspective on what do men wish women embraced in themselves more what do you men wish that women knew here about themselves about themselves love yourself for the love of god there is if i could paint the perfect woman I would have, of course, I would have the the physical attributes, right? So I, I think I think my 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 co-host Ashley, she's married, and she's like, you got to come up, write down your list of what you want in a woman. I'm like, I'm too busy for this shit. I got to work, right? So I guess if I would do it, you have to love God more than you love me. That's number one, because that will put me in a standard and a position to uh, become more. Because I know exactly damn well that I am so easy to fall into all the earthly temptations and shit like anybody else. Great. So I want a woman who puts Christ before me. I want a woman who's a woman who knows uh, that, that we are separate, but equal that we have gender roles. I want her to demand that I'm a man End of story. And, and that encompasses all the shit that a man is right. I want her to be a class act out there uh in public and i want every guy to look at her and go man she is hot but she is also a fantastic representation of herself and him uh i want her to be able able to be financially independent but i want her to be willingly dependent on me i want her Mm -hmm. to be sexually unbelievably self-aware I mean, you know what you like, you know what you, and articulate that. That's, I want you to be fit, all this stuff, right? Fit, all this crap. All that goes out the window if you don't put yourself in the position, the category of saying, I am the shit. And there's a balance of the ego and then the awareness, right? Mm-hmm. 
I there is nothing more attractive than a woman who's like, yeah, I know I'm a hot mess, but I love it. I own it. I'm working on it. Right. The acknowledgement. It, the the and I guess it, it's probably inherent. We all do it with our both our gender roles of uh, uh, certain things that we just can't help. Right. I think men are designed to run into the uh, to the run into the gunfire and or the burning building and bring out the puppy dogs. I, said, I think women are designed in some way to have those insecurities because I'm going to tell you, too, as a man, it's disgusting. I love seeing a woman's insecurities and I'm dating. And make her feel like you you shut the hell up. You are unbelievably attractive. I want because I think that it's I think women still have that um that father aspect where women will want a man who is like their father, and that's either the, the deadbeat dad or the dad who is everything. And as a man, I love filling that gap of women are women, but still internally little girls, and it's your job to make them feel safe and secure, right? That's the one that's nothing too is. You have to you have to love yourself as a woman. I say this all the time. Don't fucking take my God-given rights from me, which are I must open the door for you. I want to pay for dinner for you. I don't care if you make more money than me. Do not take away the little things that are the service things, right? So if it's my job to stamp on all of your insecurities, don't take that from me. If a woman dates me, and she's like, you know, and she does not allow me to help to try to slay some of those dragons. I lose attraction. I'm like this now. You got to be aware of them. Be strong. So it's a balancing act the entire time. Uh, so that ultimately comes back to one thing. Communicate. It's <laughs> communication on everything. I need to be able to come to you and say, hey, listen, um, I'm insecure today. I feel like shit today. I do this today. Or I want you to go put on an Enfo Merman record, wear a rubber lampshade, bring the chicken into the bedroom before you have sex. And I want to be able to talk to you about everything. Same time, talk to me about it too. And then don't judge. And let's process this problem together. So it's a lot, but it's it ultimately always boils down to communicate. You have to communicate as a female and as a man. Yeah. <laughs> this is so important. I was just laughing in my head because there have been so many times when my, my husband is saying to me, you are just assuming that I have this capacity to understand what is going on in your mind when you're not saying it out loud. <laughs> but um, and I've I've gotten better at it. I, I sure but have. It, but yeah, but isn't it feel good though? To be honest, there's a, there's a level of that where I understand because what isn't it the greatest feeling in the world where you're with a partner and they know your idiosyncrasies and your patterns so much, like oh, well, I know what you're doing, it. and you're like, you see me, you understand me. I get that, but we also abuse that by, oh, you're a mind reader. So that's a balance. I get the importance of that. I want somebody, I, I it's a bad compliment. Um, and my relationships don't last too long because, again, those boundaries, I'm so damn demanding. Uh, the last uh, uh, relationship I was in, uh, I had a woman pay me a compliment. I, I heard it. She told somebody, yeah. She goes, what's it like dating Dominic? And they didn't know I was listening. And it was, um. Oh, it's fantastic, but just it's it's don't ever argue with him. And I'm like, what? And she just started to go off on this massive diatribe of I'm so he's so passionate about his arguments. He's right about his arguments. He doesn't argue until unless he knows about it. He doesn't argue for the sake of arguing. And she was kind of paying me compliments arguing. I'm like, wow, that person really sees me. And it felt great. But then I'm like, oh, man, am I causing stress with this? So. But that's, yeah, the mind reading aspect is a double-edged sword because I love, there's there's nothing better than having somebody, you know, a woman's eyes bug out and go, you paid attention to me? 
dude, I know everything about you when you do stuff. It's like, so, but at the other time, it's like, oh, so now it's expecting you read my mind all the time. Mm, yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that for sure. And I do think that, yes, women need to communicate. We need to communicate. And I think it was so cool how you said it that if someone is feeling insecure, you can just out, you, you can just say it. Because it's not something that we women think about. Okay, I'm just going to say to him that I feel insecure right now for, you know, because of X, Y, or Z, or because I, I don't even know why. I just feel this way. Because it's not something that I hear a lot of women say out loud or even imagine saying out loud. Do you have any idea how many problems that would solve? It, then what is it? What's one of the number one sex is always one of the number one problems in relationships, right? Uh, women. I did. I, I was listening to a friend of mine, his girlfriend, bitch years ago. And she's complaining that he wants me all the time. And I, I went, the hell is wrong with you? The number one complaint in your relationship is that your boyfriend cannot keep his hands off you. And I've had that too. It's like, oh my God, all you want is sex. This and I'm like, all right, let's look at this conundrum where women are like, uh, I want a man who focuses all on me. Then you get your guy who wants you 24 seven, which for women don't, they don't get men. Our heads are all over the place. We want this woman. We want that woman. And all of a sudden we want you, our blinders are on you. Yeah. There's a lot of miscommunication that kills the relationship. I get hormones i get that uh uh, uh the, the cycle of hormones it winds up dropping every 28 days i get the competitive nature that social media has created to where women think they have to look a certain way be a certain way act a certain way i get how women will project themselves on social media in their lingerie in their bikinis but then when it's their man they don't even wash their hair or their face and they wear sweatsuits and then this, i get if women would just say I'm not feeling very sexual because I'm bloated. I'm not feeling very sexual because I'm insecure. I'm not feeling very sexual because of this. If women were able to get to the table and men, there's a lot of things men need to do because they have no idea how to communicate. We're working on that. Do you have any idea how many problems that would solve to go? Okay, shit. I didn't know that. So I don't have to go to like this other female stuff, sliding her DMs to try to get attention from her. I can just articulate to you. Hey, I get the fact you have a hormone dump. You don't feel sexual. You feel bloated. Sex is uncomfortable for you. Did I mention I'm a man and I'm on testosterone and I'm rock hard 24-7 and I need this outlet? So how do we sit there and solve this problem when you don't want to have sex with me? It is such a conundrum and a half. All boils down to communication. Mm. So I, it's a big damn problem that if both sides were vulnerable about it, it'd be a bigger issue. Mm. But men can't articulate their shit either. Men can't come to the table and say, Hey, this is why I want this. this is, they don't even know. They don't. They're not introspective enough. Right, right. Yeah, because it's it's so I guess primal in a way that you're not. Because I don't know. Because we women, we overthink everything, and we're thinking, thinking, thinking all day, and it's just uh, it it becomes this weird ball of thoughts, and you're just not able to communicate it. And then with my husband, it's so weird because he has these moments when he says that he's not thinking anything. And I think that is completely impossible. How are you capable of not having any thoughts? Like it, it does not compute. With literally me. existing in the moment. It's literally yeah. as men, we achieve, 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 achieve every now and then it'll be a five minute purge just sitting there. And, yeah. and just, yeah. Have you ever seen, there's a YouTube short called it's not about the nail. No. Oh, I'm going to send it to you. So it send is it this, over. It's a couple. It's probably a two minute video. A couple is sitting on the couch 
And it's a guy listening to this woman and this woman's going, I don't know what's going on lately. And uh, I just, I feel like I've got this pressure in my head and I just, it's pounding. And the guy's just looking at her going, okay, okay. And, 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 and I'm going through, it's, it's just searing hard pressure. That's just, it's killing me. And I, and I don't know what I'm doing. And all of my sweaters are snagged and you pan out. She's literally got a nail pounded in her head. And the guy's going, you, you, uh, you know, you've got this. It's not about the nail. And she starts yelling at him. And at the end of it, it's hilarious because uh, he's like, you know, maybe if you just pull the nail out, you'll feel, you know, you don't listen. And, and then, then she starts again with the whole it her. I've got this pain and this pressure and blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, that just must be really hard. And she goes, thank you for listening. It, it is the definition of problems that show the dynamic nature of women and men. And I say this all the time. This, this is my fundamental concept of the, the complexities of men and women, because women are so dynamic that men, we can't raise ourselves to your level of complexity and women, you're not going to dumb yourself down to our level of simplicity. So the, the, the analogy I give is, is if this is so sexist, if God created man as a whole, right? Whole, we know exactly who we are. He created a woman as a piece of a man, piece. So he didn't create you out of yourselves. He took a piece of a man, created a woman out of it. You guys are so damn dynamic and confused trying to find out who the hell you are. Meanwhile, us men are going, we're still, we're simple. We're dumb. We, we know what we are. You women are like, I don't even have my own identity. You're created out of something. So the journey of a woman, in my opinion, is so much harder than a man. But the the, the communication problems we're on different frequencies and we, and that's why I am. That's goes back to all the way back to the beginning with the boundaries. I will draw, I will, these are my boundaries, X, Y, and Z. And I've made that. And I do, I do those. Um, like again, I know I'm all over the place. Uh, I used to have, you're probably too young for this, but there was a, a game show on in the eighties called name that tune. And it was, uh, you do give the composer, give the the year, all this stuff, and then uh, the piano. Uh, I could name that tune in five notes, and then you would say I could name that tune in three notes, and you get all the way to the how many the littlest amount of notes somebody could name it. And I, I always say is I can ruin that relationship in one date, meaning that I will I'll ask you out, go out with you, and and I'm not about to waste any time anymore. It's listen, this is me, this is what I'm into. I don't want to have second date, second month, second year, and then you have you go, oh, if I'd known that about you. I would have never dated you in the beginning with. So I will tell everybody in the upfront, listen, I just want you to know who I am, what I'm all about, what I'm into to give you the proper discernment, whether or not you want to be with me. So, uh, so I'm all about communication because I know both of us are on massive, uh, different frequencies. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it's, it's just personally for me, it's the funnest thing or, and the coolest thing in the world that we are so different and that we get to have this journey in our lives to, I don't know, reconcile, just to come into this harmony, to come into union. I think it's uh, one of the most beautiful things. And yes, it's hard um, in terms of like how the journey goes for women in the femininity space. We like to think or we like to conceptualize it as a unraveling and coming into who you were created to be. But for men, in so many ways, it's about earning and stepping into your manhood in a very different way so for women there's a lot of layers that need to be peeled back but for men it's different and um i think there is a lot of like truth to that and it highlights the differences 
and also how the society is somehow warped and warped into this mess of women trying to achieve, 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 go, 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 be on all the time until our hormones are, you know, whacked and our whole lives just feels like a huge chore and we're not feeling good about ourselves. We're on the hormonal pill and it makes us attracted to the wrong types of men uh, because we're not synced into our hormonal and biological. I just heard about that. Somebody yeah. else talked about it. I've never heard, never thought about that where, yeah, I I never forget a, a shit 20 years ago I was dating a girl who got that Depo-Provera shot. Four million hormones dumped into her body. Two days later, she was a completely different person. Yeah. And I'm like, so I never heard that how bad birth control will mess up hormones to get women attracted to the wrong type of person. It's insane. It is insane. And what's even more insane is that so many women don't know about that. It's like we, we're getting this pill and it's supposed to fix all these things. And while it doesn't fix anything really, and it just, you know, messes up with the the homeostasis on the balance that is very intricate. It's so cool. The whole system is just a miracle when you study it. The 28-day hormonal cycle and the four seasons that we have, it's a miracle. It blew my mind when I started to learn about it. And that was well into my 20s mm. by that time. And I was like, we're not taught this thing. We're not taught to even understand our bodies. Um, I don't know. For men, it's it's somehow a lot simpler again in this arena as well, like relating to your body. Do you feel like that's true? Because for women, yeah. it's so complex. It was great. I loved uh, getting into my forties um, because the testosterone level is going down and that doesn't make sense. Uh, as a younger man, you're full of piss and vinegar and hormones and confusion and constant people pleasing and identity crisis. And it, it's, there's a, there's a joke. It's uh, old bull and a young bull. Right. And I never understood it until I got into my forties and it's uh there's two bulls sitting on top of a, of a, of a hilltop looking down at a pasture of cows. And uh, it's an old bull and a young bull. And the young bull looks at the old bull and says, Hey, uh, let's, let's run down this hill and let's go have sex with one of those cows. And, uh, and, and the old bull goes, no, let's walk down and, you know, F them all. And I was like, I don't get that. And then you get older. You're like, Oh, so many things as I got older, so my testosterone leveled off. Then I got on testosterone replacement therapy because there was a lot of benefits to being on it, obviously, fat loss and, and mood and all this. But I started to see things differently where it's like you're calmer as you get older and the wisdom comes in and the hormones are not as piss and vinegar. And I don't want to take on everybody. Uh, and then it becomes more introspective. So it's, it, yeah, that, that aging, aging is great. I actually like my forties so much better than I liked my twenties. Uh, yeah. That's so interesting. I haven't lived there yet, but I know that women say the same thing. And yeah, I think it's, are, yeah, I have found it's really weird because the, the spectrum of dating at my at where I'm at is really difficult. Late forties have everything for myself. No kids, no, uh, no ex-wife. So there's a lot of, if I date somebody in my twenties or in their twenties, I'm a cradle robber. If I date somebody in their thirties, well, now all of a sudden that woman, does she want me or does she want what I represent, which is a sperm donor because her biological clock is ticking and she needs to get a kid fast. If I date somebody in their late 30s or 40s, they've been through the cycle, right? 
They've been married. They Now they want everything their way. They've got their kids. Kids are a priority, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but it's a different dynamic. And, oh, you've never been married. You don't have kids. You don't understand. And, and it's a very big resistance back and forth dating women in their 40s for me. If I date women in their 50s or 60s, well, they want to be 21 again. So it's, it's, it's so it is dating is very hard uh, when you're a, a single man at my age with no kids and uh, who's never been married. It's a pain. Mm-hmm. In the I bet it's complex. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot that goes in, goes into it. And I'm not even like, I know that the dating world for even 20 year olds is, 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 um, well, I don't want to say terrible, but at least um, challenging. <laughs> um, I wouldn't want yeah. Well, the problems are the same. Um, they're one of my favorite lecturers who uh, passed away in the nineties. His name is Leo Biscalia. He, uh, he taught a class at the, in, in, I think it was university of Southern California in the 1960s called love, love one a, and it was all about self-love and this and that. And he used to give these PBS lectures you can find them on YouTube, uh, Leo Biscalia. And he said it in the 1970s that the average span of a relationship was three months. That's in the 1970s. Well, now all of a sudden with the advent of internet, social media, lose your problems. Oh my God, my wife or girlfriend isn't giving me attention. So I'm going to go look at this girl who's now men. It's not, we're not taught to, we're, we're just, we're taught to seek problems elsewhere. Women are taught this or solution problems elsewhere. Women are taught to seek emotional status elsewhere. So it's like, we're still at that same thing, you know, 40 years, 50 years later, the average relationship is nothing because the availability of illusion, uh, the illusion of choices out there when it's really not. Mm, yeah, exactly. There have been so many things that we've gone into in this in this episode. This was so cool. Is there any parting words that you would like to say to my women? So you're you're talking to women roughly in their late twenties and their early thirties. Anything that you want to say that hey, embrace this about yourself. Um. Yeah, embrace the fact that you are what your role is for a man is the biggest catalyst of safety ever. And I wish women would pound this into their damn brains. You want a warrior. You want a a knight in shining armor. You want a protector and provider. You have to offer that safety at home. And I will depart with this. Um, My last relationship, I've been single for four years. Last relationship, I never wanted kids. I never wanted to get married. Um, And my last relationship ended in a single conversation. I was engaged. I was actively trying to uh, 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 become a father with this woman. We were looking to start a family, all this, everything, the life of the, of the relationship got sucked out of me when we're having a conversation one day, we're both on our phones, this and that. And uh, this was, a, this was the woman for me, alpha female, unbelievably intelligent, physical, sexual, business, entrepreneur, knew how to submit properly in the relationship while also leading all this shit, but wouldn't, didn't want me to be the man of one aspect where I sat there and I'm on my phone and I don't know where it's like, so you know what, if anything ever happened to you, it would destroy me and flip switched. Why would you say that? What do you mean? It would just, why would you say that? Because of how much I value this relationship. If you were killed in a car accident, if you got cancer, whatever, and you died, it would destroy me. I, I, no, I told you, I don't want weakness in a man, blah, 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 Instantly. I'm not kidding. The next day, the relationship was over. It ended. I don't know what switch flipped in me. That was it. Um, you have got to under, you women have got to find the strength to, for whatever time, five minutes, hopefully not longer than that, 
Let your fucking man be weak. Men, I do not want to be a man who goes over to my buddy's house and talks all about how shitty my day was, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to gripe to a female too, because I don't want to add my problems there, but I want to have it. And everybody's had that where you have that three in the morning uh, uh, times conversations where you're looking in the mirror and you're fighting back tears and you are like, I have no idea I'm going to survive this. The ultimate bond in a relationship is I go to my female and I have that and I can convey that and I know I'm safe and you're not going to judge me. You're not going to lose sexual attraction to me. You're going to see he's vulnerable for five minutes. It Now all of a sudden he feels safe. He's, I will tell you for me personally, that fuels and intensifies the need to serve you, intensifies the need to provide for you. It intensifies the need to crave the living shit out of you nonstop. If you can let me be that, that nobody else gets, I everything changes. So I really think that, I don't know where we went with this world. We went from toxic masculinity to all these guys now are teaching alpha male, alpha. I teach myself too. You know, we have a program for all of us, for men growing too. I don't know where it's it's the slipperiest slope in the world. I tell talk about vulnerability all the time. Men have to be so damn selective where they give their vulnerability, but we need to have women step back up on the plate and go, all right, get my strength from God. Have that strength. You're, if you're stronger than us, in a lot of ways you are, you have to be able to take that one thing that no other man could take, which is our ultimate vulnerability. Let us dump it out on you. And then watch how high we serve you uh, after being able to purge where we know we're safe with you. Mm. I love that. So good. We're ending here. Is there um, any links, any places that our listeners could find you? Where yeah. are you online? We just launched uh, a program for men. It's com- It's called becomewar.com. Becomewar.com. Uh, I have... 16 episodes of a podcast there where I talk about all things masculine. I'm starting to interview men of the same concept of it. We want men to be men. Um, and uh, uh, that's going to be a program that has everything from physicality all the way to the to a, a Bible study that is needed on there. So become more. We actually just lost, launched last month. I would drive women there to select to, to have their men to start listening to that. Mm, that's really cool. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. I don't take yeah, it for man. granted that you're here. No, oh, it was great. Thank you for letting me talk as much as I did. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new as well as received some serious inspiration on your feminine journey. And I would so appreciate it if you could rate and review this podcast and subscribe. It really helps in the podcasting world so that we can reach more women who might be interested in these types of topics. And if you're curious to hear my music, you can always check out JoM on any of the streaming platforms and the link will be in the description below. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to have you join me in the next episode.